So this morning, Matthew chapter 27, entitled this morning's message, We Are Barabbas. You guys might be like, what is he talking about? Well, hang on, in about half an hour we'll get to that point and you'll understand why. But this morning... We're going to take a look into God's word here in Matthew 27 as we begin this chapter. This was a very busy morning. You see, Jesus was on the cross by 9 a.m. They had their makeshift hasty trial there that we took a look at last week at Caiaphas' house in the wee hours of the night. Now the Jewish council uh, reconvened in the morning and they delivered an official verdict against Against Jesus. And since they themselves, they couldn't, I don't know if you guys know this or not, the Jewish people could not execute capital punishment. Rome was now in power. There's a prophecy all the way, made all the way back in Genesis, where it said Messiah would come when the scepter was removed from Judah, was taken away from Israel. Their right to execute capital judgment and make those type of decisions was taken away from them. The Jewish people, instead of trying to kill this man who's proclaiming to be the Messiah, they should have been, hey, well, we know Messiah is coming, and when he comes, this right's going to be taken away from us. We should be looking for the Messiah. Uh, maybe it's this guy. Instead of that, what were they doing? We want him dead. So <laughs> this is where we're at this morning. And now, since they couldn't exercise that capital punishment, off to Pilate's, he was sent. So last week, Peter yielded to the flesh when he denied the Lord. We saw Judas, he yielded to the devil. And he sinned greatly. And then this week we have Pilate yielded to the world by listening to the crowd. To the crowd. I want to share with you guys, I saw a clip this last week. A brother was preaching at Harvest um, out on the West Coast, Greg Laurie's church. I don't know who it was, but he just made this statement and it just stuck with me. And he said this, I would rather you know, be in a place of hanging with God and letting the world judge me than hanging in the world and being judged by God. I mean, it's so simplistic, but it just hit me. I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely right. Because it is easy for us as Christians to fall into that trap. What are they going to think about me if I stand up for truth here? If I am speaking about Jesus, that's not a popular thing to do. I would rather be in that place of standing with God because he's the only one that matters. His judgment is the only one that matters. So let's take a look here at verses 1 and 2 together. We're going to look at Jesus being bound. You guys might be like, is that possible? Well, let's take a look. When morning came, <clears throat> all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. So bound him, just as Isaac, back there in Genesis chapter 22, was bound before he was laid upon the altar. Both Jesus and him were in their primes, both in submission. But Jesus was submitting there to a different reason. His reason for coming was the cross to be a sacrifice. That's why Jesus came. That's why God humbled himself and became a man. Now, bound him. They actually bound the hands that stopped the waves, hushed the wind, stayed the storms? Really? 
The hands that dealt with the diseases, touched and healed lepers, okay, turned mud into a healing ointment, those hands were bound. The hands that opened the deaf ears, loosed the tongue of the uh, <laughs> of, of those that couldn't speak, of the, the dead. He raised dead. With, <laughs> think about it, guys. So they bound him who came to loose the bound. So bound with demons, infirmities, and those bound with sin. And they bound him. And my question is with what? What? Okay, the only thing that kept him bound was his obedience to the Father and his love for you and I, guys. Do you guys, amen? Are you guys getting this? This doesn't make sense. Okay, how? Jesus could have easily snapped the cords. Like Samson with the Philistines, right? Those ropes weren't going to hold him. But there were other cords that bound him. And they were these cables of this covenant agreements, these oaths, these promises that he made. It's a zip bond tie of love to you and I. That's what bound him, guys. Don't think anyone else is in control here but God himself. Take a look here at Judas's remorse then. Verse 3 says, Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. And they threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and they departed. And they went, or he went and he hung himself. And then verse 6 says, But the chief priests, they took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for us to put it into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and they bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. And this was fulfilled, what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was pierced, or yeah, priced, who the children of Israel uh, pierced uh, and gave to the potter's field, and the Lord directed me. So I want you guys to look in verse 3 here. You see this remorse? Again, this is sorrow. Nothing wrong with the word itself. But I want us to think about this. Um, it was used of a young man who told his dad he wouldn't work in the field and then felt remorse and then he went. So it's not the word, but it's the result that we really need to look at. You guys remember from last week, we looked at regret that involves just the mind. And then we considered remorse, which involves the mind and our emotions. That's when we feel terrible. And then repentance, that's involving a changing of the mind and the emotions and the will, turning away from sin. So Peter felt remorse, remorse <clears throat> and sorrow, and it led Peter back to Jesus' side. Judas felt remorse, and it led him to what? Suicide. Okay? Suicide is never the answer, guys. Okay? I know it can hurt so bad. The pain can be so overwhelming. You just want out. Okay? Suicide is never the answer. The wake of havoc that it leaves behind, 
the family that's hurt as a result of someone taking their own life. Okay? And let me tell you what, guys. You don't want the last thing you ever did on planet Earth to be murder. You know? It, it would stink. Hey, what were you doing? What was the last thing you were doing on Earth? Uh, I was committing murder. You know? It's just not cool. Okay? Suicide. Get help. Okay? Talk to me. Talk to somebody. It's just sad that people, we are so blessed. Yeah, life gets hard. We all go through things. But get to the point that you want to take your own life. That's just straight from the pit of hell. Satan's getting the best of you. And there is hope in Christ. He is the answer, guys. And we need, we need to be those who are aware that Satan is waging war. He know his hour is late. You guys sit and you wonder why are suicides on the rise? What is going on? It's not just here in the United States. I don't even get why it's happening here. We're the most blessed people upon the planet. Okay? What's so bad? I know people that have it really bad. They're scraping by just to even live. They're on the brink of starvation. Okay? And they're not taking their... What's going on? Okay? Anyways, we could talk a while. If you're suicidal, you got friends that are suicidal, talk to somebody. Get help. Okay? Not a good option. Anyways, the point here is repentance always, always will move us towards God. You understand? That's what repentance is. We're turning from sin and we move towards God. It seeks Him. Remorse, that only brings hopelessness, desperation, and feeling worthless. That's all it will do. You guys see the difference there between Peter and Judas? I love that these two examples, these two men are laid out for us in the scriptures. But I want you guys to look at verse 4 with me closely. You see, if one good result that came out of this confession was towards Jesus, not Judas, it was proved again of his innocence here. And let's consider, okay, listen, skeptics that are out here. Here's a man who ate, slept, uh, next to, lived with, and traveled with Jesus day and night for three years, and he couldn't find any flaw in him. I think that's pretty... This is the guy that betrayed him. Okay? Fessed up finally. There were false witnesses, but he finally fessed up and said, there is no fault. There is none. This is innocent blood that I've betrayed. Have your money back. And now... Uh, would be the time to bring one out if there was anything against him, but there's not. So even the traitor in his dying speech declared his innocence. I think that's pretty cool. Let's look at Pilate's. A Pilate arrested here by Jesus' patience. Look at verse 11. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. And then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. So Jesus was accused of three things. You can jot down Luke chapter 23, verse 2. It lays out those three things. One of them, misleading the nation. Secondly, uh, forbidding to pay taxes. And then thirdly, claiming to be a king. Now, Pilate's focus really was on that third charge because this was a definite threat against Rome itself. 
You see, if he handles it properly, Pilate here could please the Jewish people and impress the emperor at the same time. But we see in verse 14 that this man, when he is set before Jesus, all he can do is marvel greatly. <laughs> I love this. Because Jesus wouldn't stand up for himself, as we see here. He said nothing. Accusation after accusation, still no defending himself. Pilate was arrested by Jesus' patience. Okay, patient silence, this calm endurance. He had much to say about mankind, but not a single word to say for himself. So no man spoke like Jesus. And no man was silent like him either. Okay? So nothing to say to stop the slaughter of his sacred body. So the best apologists for, the, for Christianity in the early days were its martyrs, guys. The anvil breaks a host of hammers by quietly bearing the blows. It's a reason why I'm wearing my nice black new t-shirt today. My old one wore out. I had like, you guys remember my other one? Yeah, it, it wore out. I was getting holes. But I wear this today. Okay, this is the Arabic letter for N, Nazarite. This is what they're tagging Christian homes with in the Middle East. Hey, you've been tagged. We know that you are believers. You are followers of Jesus. If you do not leave this city, we will come and kill you. Okay, we have brothers and sisters who are imprisoned today for their faith in Christ. Okay, this is going on in the world. Next Sunday, November 3rd, is international prayer for the persecuted church. I encourage you guys to pray for our brothers and sisters. Okay, I have a box up here. I got a bunch of uh, imprisoned with them bracelets. Okay, and I'm committed to pray. You guys can have one if you'll commit to pray for the priest security church daily. Don't take one if you're not going to commit to pray, but if you're willing to pray, grab a bracelet, put it on, pray for our brothers and sisters throughout the world. They're going through it. Let me see if I can pull this up quick. You guys can jot down. How many of you guys have a smartphone? I shouldn't even ask that question. There's like five-year-olds with <laughs> smartphones nowadays. Um, Voice for the Martyrs. Here, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. You see this app right here? Voice of the Martyrs. You guys should grab this app. Very informative. Today they had us praying for uh, the Diwali uh, beginnings. It's a holiday that takes place for the Hindus, Hindu people. It's a five-day holiday celebration. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but the Hindus have a caste system. And Christians are the lowest of the low on the caste system. They are persecuted, killed for their faith in Christ. Hinduism embraces every single religion in the world except for one. And it is Christianity. Okay, so we need to be praying. That's one thing I love about this app. Okay, it'll go through, you can hit, you know, show me more, learn more about what's going on there, and it'll bring up a whole bunch of details. And it takes you all over the world because there are Christians being persecuted in the majority of the nations of the world today. Okay, some are more severe than others. Okay, but it's given us insight in how to be praying for our brothers and sisters. And you guys can sign up and get emails and updates of things that are going on right now so we can be praying for our brothers and sisters. So I encourage you guys, be praying for the church. Amen? Yeah. Or do I need to preach a little more about it? You guys get it? It's important to be praying. You can also buy a cool t-shirt from them like this. I'm in. Ten bucks goes, every t-shirt bought, ten bucks goes towards the ministry. You can support them too. Good stuff. Anyways, um, let's move on. 
Let's talk about Pilate now, arrested by Jesus' purity. Look at verse 15. Now, at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at the time, they had a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. And while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask Barabbas and destroy, or ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. And the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. And then Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all said, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. I don't know about, I'm going to pause just for a second. I don't know about you guys, but there's just some things in needed conversations going on in the world that we should be having. And it's just hard sometimes with people because you want to reason with them and have a real conversation. And all they do is just start, they start yelling louder. I don't want to talk. I don't, want to have a, I don't want to be logical and reasonable with you. And they just get louder and they yell more and more. We see more. So be careful what you're listening to. Verse 24. When Pilate saw that the, he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was rising, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And then they released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. So one more scheme up Pilate's sleeve here. The tradition of releasing a prisoner. Okay? Pilate hoped for the popularity of Jesus among the people. You know, Jesus or this ISIS captive. Which one you guys going to go for, right? Um, so you cannot stay neutral when you think of Jesus. I'm sorry. That's just the culture we live in. Okay? If you're going to stand with Jesus, you are going to be hated. Okay? That's just not my thinking. Yeah, we see it happening in the world, but Jesus said it would happen, right? If the world hated me, it's going to hate you. That's just the way it is. We can talk about anything, okay? But talk about things that are eternal and real. The only thing that really matters in this life, Jesus. And oh boy, we're done. We're done. Oh, anyways. Pilate knew what was right, but refused to do anything about it here. So as a governor, guys, he was supposed to uphold the law. As a politician, he knew how to get along with people. But as a man, he would one day have to stand in judgment for his soul. So he looked for the easy way, not the right way. And he has gone down in history as a man who condemned Jesus. Now, I want to talk about 
Pilate's wife. Oh, am I ahead of myself here? Nope. Yeah, I'm really lost. Hey, there we go. Let me go back. Pilate's wife's dream. Let's look at these 21 verses. Um, it says, While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with this just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. Okay? So here was this unlooked for witness to the innocence of Christ. And who was it? Pilate's wife. I want you guys to catch this with me this morning. Okay? This so blessed me this week. I looked into her life a little bit. And that one thing we see in Scripture, guys, throughout history and literature in the Roman Empire, they are full of reports of dream prophecies or dream ghosts, dream gods. That was something that they were into. And surely this would have reminded Pilate of the dream of another Roman woman before the very critical day. It was Julius Caesar's wife, okay, Calipirna, uh, who having seen her husband before her in a dream covered with wounds, streaming with blood, entreated him not to leave the house, to go to the Roman Senate there on the Ides of March. He died and he was assassinated. Okay, so Adam, we know that he sinned by listening to his wife. Pilate sinned for not listening to his wife, right? So I think we'll meet Pilate's wife in heaven. Okay, she had some staying power even when her husband didn't deserve her by his side. She had a very strong conviction, didn't she, of what was right, of what was wrong, she had the courage to testify to Jesus' righteousness and his innocence. Okay, we know her story in only 21 words here, but tradition tells us that she learned or she was leaning towards Judaism and may have been a Jewish proselyte, a secret follower of Jesus. Later, Christian tradition has given her the name Claudia uh, Precula, meaning follower at the gate. Some authorities have actually identified her with the Claudia that we find in 2 Timothy 4.21, who was no doubt a Roman citizen. And here's the trippy thing, guys. The Greek Orthodox Church. Okay, you guys know that we just go through the Bible, verse by verse. There's no plan. How far are we going to get? Okay, we just said it. We keep going. Things come up. We never know what passage we're going to be in. The Greek Orthodox Church canonized her and said October 27th as her feast day. What's today? Are we ever going to read? I mean, it'll be over a decade before we talk about this woman again as we just go verse by verse through the Bible. What are the odds of today? <laughs> Anyways, uh, so she sends a message to her husband. And at most important trial the world has ever seen, okay, not to condemn Jesus. Think about that. She's the only person who came to the defense of Jesus while he was on trial. She's pretty cool. Okay? So with this woman's delicate intuition, she sensed that there was this approaching evil, and with the wife's concern, she had tried to save her husband from a terrible decision to put this just man to death. So her intervention caused Pilate uh, to hesitate at once more to give 
you know, the mob here a choice, but they chose to crucify Jesus. So in her dream, she awoke with two convictions, that Jesus was an innocent man, okay, and that her husband would be inviting disaster if he took action against him. So both were true. Pilate admitted, hey, I found no fault with this man. And her husband's administration ended abruptly. Okay, he was banished to southern France where he ultimately committed suicide. Pilate's wife stayed with him to the end, lovingly supporting him, truthfully encouraged him to do what was right, allowing him to make wrong decisions, but she stayed. So a wife may have insight that a husband lacks, and therefore, brothers, it's wise to listen to our wives. <laughs> now remember, God could have just as easily gave Pilate the dream. Did you guys think about that? Well, why didn't Pilate just have the dream himself? But he chose to communicate it through his wife. So although Pilate's wife does not succeed in convincing her husband, she rightly gives him her opinion and spouses should regard their mate's input as valuable. Remember, guys, that our spouses bring different perspectives. And considering that another point of view helps us to see life with two sets of eyes instead of one. So it may be a mystery why God allowed uh, this record of her dream to be recorded in Matthew. It's the only one in the Gospels that we find this account. But it's totally, you know, it seems totally irrelevant. Why, why is it here? Why are we talking about it? For Pilate, it didn't seem like it, it impressed him at all, you know, her dream and what she had to say. And also it had no effect, it seems, on the outcome of Jesus' trial. He was still crucified. So why is it here? Well, for one, guys, I think as we look at Matthew, he took a special interest in dreams. Okay? He is the dream collector of the New Testament. The word dream here is onar, which is used six times in all of the New Testament. And guess where they're all found? In the Gospel of Matthew, okay? <laughs> Five of the six dreams deal with the birth and the childhood of Jesus. Four were to Joseph. One was to the wise men. And only the dream of Pilate's wife deals with the other end of his life, his trial and his death. So it's only speculation, but even... Spurgeon agreed that likely Claudius saw her dream in the dream, actually the crucifixion. Okay, And I had that thought as I was reading through it. She states clearly that she suffered and what could her suffering had been but a vision of an innocent man being crucified. This should not happen. Okay, So God's plea for his son through Claudia was not guilty. I love it. And then we have everyone's question. Okay, If you look at verse 22 with me, guys, he asks the crowd, but again, doesn't ask his own conscience here. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Okay, So everyone's eternity really teeters on that question. You understand that? The only question that matters today, any day, is what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? It's the only one that matters. Are you going to believe and receive him as Savior, or are you going to reject him? It's the only thing that matters. And then in verse 24, the outward rites will never cleanse the impure soul. You guys, some run to church every Sunday for a month. <laughs> some have their pattern prayers. 
Okay, that's kind of like having a rabbit's foot. Good luck if I do this, you know. And some start doing extra good deeds to try to relieve some guilt that they may have. And oh, Mr. Pilate here, <laughs> you're on the right track. You do need cleansing, but you need something stronger than water, okay, to wash the blood off your hands. That ain't going to do it, buddy, right? So you need the washing of the very blood you're about to spill. You guys get what's going on here? You can jot down Proverbs 30, verse 12. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from its filthiness. Wow, sounds like Pilate, doesn't it? Sounds like a generation I see right before my eyes right now. Complete evil. They're calling it good. This is good. In the name of love. Whatever goes. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet it is not washed from filthiness. So what then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Well, ask him to wash you of your sins this very morning, guys. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. Pretty simple. That's what you do. Now, on to Barabbas. Let's look at his release here in verse 20. Anyway, let's pause for a second. You guys might trip out by this. Who was Barabbas? Well, we know that in that culture, names had a lot of meanings. And I thought it was, you know, Bar-Abbas, son of the father, okay? He had been a man, uh, he made insurrection, open revolt against the, the civil authorities, against Rome of the day, okay? Um, he was in rebellion. He had committed murder, we know. Uh, in the eyes of the emperor, he would have been considered a dangerous political prisoner, a terrorist is how they would have looked at this man. So Jesus was delivered. Barabbas was released. Jesus delivered bound, delivered unto death. Barabbas released to freedom, released to life. Barabbas should have died for his crime, but Jesus occupied his cross. Then the words of Pilate and then the soldier, Barabbas, you're free. Free? What? So yes, another is to die in your place. So what has Barabbas done? I adapted a message from Judah Smith. If you guys ever want to hear some good preaching, he's a neat brother. But he did this on Barabbas. Changed it up a little bit. But what has Barabbas done? Well, he deserves this. He's a bad man. He's a thug, a terrorist. He should be on death row. He's a rebel for wrong. He's led a rebellion. He murdered people. He deserves this. He deserves chains. He deserves crucifixion. He deserves death. He deserves hell. What has Jesus done? He didn't deserve this. He's a good man. He heals. He restores. He delivers. He, set, he sets free. He opens the eyes of the blind, the deaf to hear. Heals the lame, the lepers. This isn't fair. And there seems to be no conscience with Barabbas. We don't see him turn 
to Jesus saying, Hey, I owe you everything now, for you have set me free. Jesus, it's okay, Father. <laughs> Let them have Barabbas. He knew the Father would have to treat Jesus like Barabbas and that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. And remember, this is all about Jesus going to the cross here, guys. This is what it's all about. Jesus, yes, let them have Barabbas. Take me. And what a picture of divine grace here in substitutionary death, what that presents. Again, substitution, right? That would be the just for the unjust. Vicarious, taking the place of another vicar, substitute. Barabbas could say, he died for me. I'm sure Barabbas thought the people set him free. The people didn't set Barabbas free. Pilate set, or didn't set Barabbas free. It's only the love of the Father that set Barabbas free. God the Father, I love Barabbas. I wanted him to go free. Me? <laughs> what? But he's a bad man. The Father, but I love Barabbas. I wanted him to go free. Me? But I didn't, or, don't, or didn't you know he'll probably never even acknowledge that free gift, it being from you? The Father, yeah, but I love him. Landon, remember, for while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Me. So you're saying you sent your son Jesus for Barabbas? Even the one who would walk away from Jesus and his free gift and never come back? The Father, I love Barabbas and I wanted him to go free. So who is this Barabbas really? Well, Barabbas, guys, is you. It's me. It's us. So how many times have I stood on the platform with Pilate and Jesus and I'm Barabbas? And they started to take my chains off and I say, no, no, my fault. I deserve this. I did it. I'm guilty. I deserve the consequences. I deserve it. And Jesus' response is, no, son, let me have it. Let me have your sin. Let me have your pain. And then me, no God, I did this to myself. I deserve it. I deserve poverty. I deserve sickness. No. <laughs> me, but God, I'm ashamed. <laughs> Jesus says, give me your shame. And then there's me, but what if I do it again, God? <laughs> and Jesus says, hey, I'm there again. I'll take it again. And then there's me, God, I don't want to do this anymore. And then Jesus says, give me your sins, son. So this is all we got. It's all I got. It's all you got. It's God alone, guys. And do you believe that Jesus is enough? Do you believe that? Is that your statement of faith? Is that what you put your hope in? Your trust in?
It's what the gospel declares. We add anything to Jesus, guys, it's nothing. The Bible declares it's all Him. Period. So your greatest challenge is not your discipline. It's not your devotion. It's not your focus. Your greatest challenge is believing the gospel. Period. Do you believe it? So could there be that there's a God with a love so scandalous, so wide, so deep, so vast, so high, so expansive, so welcoming? Did you get all that, Kelly? Got it. <laughs> You're awesome, sister. <laughs> really? God really is saying, son, daughter, just give me your sin. That's the gospel. I will take your sin. I will take your penalty. I will take all of it. I will take your guilt and shame. And I will die in your place. And you're going to get my righteousness, my life. So then you see him walking now to the post to be whipped while you stand free as a man, a woman, you're finally free. And he says, go, son and daughter, live your life, be free. I'm going to pay the price. See, his blood is sufficient for salvation. His blood is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge, every sin, and every single temptation. Jesus is enough. Amen? Stand to our feet and we'll close in prayer. Deanna, would you come up? We're going to have a song. Are you ready for a song? Good. We got a good song to close with. Well, Father, we do thank you. God, we thank you for the reality of the cross, for the reality of the gospel, for the reality, God, that we are truly forgiven. God, that's not wishful thinking. It's what the gospel declares. And we believe it. And we say thank you. God, we know that we don't deserve this type of love, this type of forgiveness, but we thank you. And we thank you so much, Lord, that this gift... Lord, is given to all. Whether they recognize it or receive it, it's there for all. God, and we would pray and ask, Lord, that through your church, whether it be us or our brothers and sisters who are out on the mission field proclaiming your word today, or those brothers and sisters who find themselves imprisoned, maybe being beaten today for their faith in you, God, that your light would shine through your church brightly. That people would see, Father, that there is a Savior who is very much alive and very much able to save. God, thank you for your grace that has found us. Thank you for saving us, Father. In your name we pray. Amen.